on Saturday night, Beyonce dropped Lemonade, a visual album, uh, and the world will never be the same. I'm Simon Vazek-Levinson, and I'm here with MTV News' own David Turner. Hello. Meredith Graves. Holler. Teo Bugby. Hi. And Hazel Sills. Hey. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, I know we've only had about 48 hours to recover from the you know, genius <laughs> and depth of Beyonce's Lemonade. But um, where was everyone uh, when Lemonade happened? Where were you when this, this occurred? I was in my apartment following it on Twitter. I was a little too lazy to watch the live stream on HBO Go, so I was like, I'll just read the tweets. And then after reading the tweets, I decided, you know what? I'm not doing anything right now. Let me watch this video. And after watching the video, I was very happy that I actually made the decision to do that instead of just being lazy and going to bed because I got to sort of see this sort of southern wonderland put before me that I was kind of not expecting. Maybe I should have expected it more after watching the formation video, but Beyonce's sort of vision of the south and blackness sort of made me very emotional and very happy. I had the exact same experience, David. I was at home and I'm like, oh, everyone's on Twitter talking about something. And then all I had to see was hot sauce is her baseball bat. And I'm like, I'm starting this live stream <laughs> right now. And I was I was good uh, until about two thirds of the way through when Jay-Z got on camera with her. And that's when I started crying and I haven't stopped. <laughs> like I've literally randomly started crying about Lemonade at random intervals over the last 24 hours, like just crying. The first time I watched it, I didn't cry. Then I finished the pizza that I had ordered that arrived in the middle of it. I know, <laughs> it was really good. Um, and watched it again, and then, I don't know, I was up until like five in the morning, just like nonstop weeping. Yeah. It's so, I. it was just so overwhelming. I don't know, it's like getting, it's like spending time with a friend you haven't seen in a long time. You know, it's like, oh my God, girl, it's been since 2013. Yeah. And then she just like gives you everything. I don't know. Yeah, I came to the live stream a little bit later than Twitter. Like, I, I started watching um, maybe, like, 20 minutes behind Twitter. And so I was watching it but also following Twitter, and I started getting, like, <laughs> FOMO for, like, the later songs. So while I was at the beginning, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a country song? Like, <laughs> should I fast forward and come back? Like, mm -hmm. what should I do? So that was a little disorienting but, like, fun. I was going to say, when I kept seeing comments about there being a country song, when I watched the video, I was like, wait, did I miss the country song? <laughs> I felt like after like like just experiencing it all through Twitter, I felt like I kind of missed a couple of things. I was like, where was the country song? I was like, wait, that was the blue, like, that was the blues song, you mean? That didn't really sound like country to me. And then like some of like the parts of like James Blake and some of the, or like The Weeknd, it's like I almost completely missed those collaborators because I was so focused on all the visual elements of the video. So wait, was I the only person who watched it completely live with Twitter? I was about 10 minutes behind. Okay. And then other people also started to watch it late. Yeah. So I was um, in between two sine waves. I was like <laughs> getting a little bit ahead of myself, but also there were some people that were right on time. And then, of course, there's the crushing weight of knowing that you may be spoiling it for the people who are 10 minutes behind right, right. you. I also um, started by jumping around. I was going five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, and then I caught up with the live stream, and then I kicked it back to the beginning. <laughs> so I just fast-forwarded to, to catch up on, like, is this a narrative film? No, not really. Okay, then I can start at the beginning, and I'm not late. Okay. Yeah. I have to say, watching it completely live was, like, an unforgettable, wild experience because you go through it, and there was a point maybe 20 minutes into it where I was like, is, is this 
is this the end? Like, is this going to be the moment that Beyonce leaves Jay-Z and this is just like mic drop divorce announcement? Yeah. And then the whole thing changes and it, it was just wild to watch. It was so overwhelming. And then at the same time that you're reading everyone's reactions and I don't know, it's like she she has so much control over how her material is released that she's she's able to create an experience that's at once both within the art but then like the meta experience on top of it and it's just I don't know there's no one else like it there's no one else even who has the ability within the industry to pull off a release the way that she does there was but he died last week let's talk about those opening moments when you plunge into Beyonce's vision for Lemonade what are we seeing on screen how did it hit us how did we feel well it starts off with her on the stage right it's like the red curtain and then the the footlights in front of her and then she kind of goes into like a field of long grass I don't know what Mm -hmm. else you would call that Mm -hmm. long grass yeah I mean that first track the whole album kind of moves and visually too kind of has these two sort of bookends of tranquility and then there's kind of chaos in between them Um, but you start out with that I don't know the presentation of a stage and she's sort of taking you into the 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 I don't know the play that we're about to see and then before you know it, it becomes black and white. And then all of a sudden there's these wardrobe changes and her hair changes and the cast behind her changes. And it's like there were parts that reminded me of um, Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were parts, many, many parts that reminded me of Matthew Barney's Crewmaster cycle. <laughs> there were parts that referenced, uh, Hazel, you were actually the person who tweeted about this. And this, I lost it when you tweeted about this. Who is the artist you feel inspired the scene with the baseball bats and the cars? Yeah, it's Pippalotti Wrist. She has this performance, the name escapes me, where um, she's walking down a street in New York City and she has this long uh, sort of like hammer that looks like a flower and she's just gleefully smashing car windows. And that was obviously, Hold Up was obviously a homage to that performance. But yeah, I think something about this visual album is that I... It doesn't feel as diverse as Beyonce's, the self-titled visual album was, because she kept, she keeps coming back to these, um, like, touchstone images, like the Southern Gothic imagery, um, sort of like these revenge narratives from different angles. So whereas with, like, Beyonce's visual album, I feel like she was trying to tell a very different visual narrative story on every single song, I feel like with this film, it, it really did feel like I was watching a long movie and not a bunch of different little vignettes in a row. Yeah, if Beyonce was a book of short stories, I think Lemonade is, as people have been comparing it to, like a Toni Morrison novel. I don't necessarily see Beyonce as being Beyonce the album, not Beyonce the person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I don't necessarily see Beyonce as being completely disjointed. I think of it more as an album about persona. And so in each video, she's sort of trying on different versions of her own identity. Whereas this is is a single narrative. And so it's she's she's like a character that we're following throughout like a single thread. Um, So I do think of them as equally unified, but circling around different themes and ideas. Same actress, two different plays. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's why the formation video that premiered two months ago, right before the Super Bowl, makes a lot more sense within context of the rest of the videos of the of Lemonade, because a lot of the Southern Gothic imagery, a lot of the pulling from 
sort of 1800 Southern attire, but also mixing it with sort of New Orleans street, like street culture, all these sort of different subcultures he was, more contemporary subcultures he was pulling from is sort of all expanded out within Lemonade. So you're like, okay, I see her pulling from Houston. I see her pulling from New Orleans and sort of finding these sort of very Southern touchstones as she's sort of trying to encompass the South within these two cities, which I found was very sort of powerful upon first viewing. I love Formation as this album's school in life, you know? Like, it has the feeling within its placement in the album of being the bonus track. And, like, what a wild bonus that this is, like, the most explicitly anti-racist, pro-black, like, historical, political statement that she's made in her career, but it's also the jam of the album, you know what I mean? It's just... This is sort of a pattern that she has. I mean, she she likes to do this within her albums to kind of tell the story and then have like uh, an end, like the like a a last thing to sort of give you a different flavor. Like grown grown woman is the same way, but I I don't know. I just found this in the context of this album that to be such a powerful choice. After watching it, and then you hear the credits, and then you hear the opening notes of Formation. It reminded me of so great. Yeah, it reminded me of going to. Ch- it reminded me very much of going to church. When you go up to church, you leave after hearing the after hearing the gospel choir, after so many prayers, and after sort of sitting around for so long, and you get in the car, and the first thing you do, because it's usually, depending on the type of service you go to, can run for hours. Is that you turn on the radio, and by that point the gospel stations turn back into rap music. <laughs> and the first thing you hear is a rap song as you get back in the car. And that's like how I sort of felt with Formation, where I was like, okay, this is now the, we've experienced a lot, but we can still do this thing. We can still party, we can still have a good time. And when you watch the video, it is that. It is having a party, it's having a good time, but it's also making statements and trying to be as political through those messages as possible. Also, I feel like after All Night, when Formation comes on, I think by the time you get to All Night, you've sort of gone through this whole narrative of, you know, being a woman who's been cheated on, you know, not trusting your significant other. Then you get to All Night and Beyonce sort of restores your faith in love, in relationships. But then Formation comes on and it's like, actually, ladies, we need to be alert. (laughs) We need to really be watching everything and we need to, like, get together and and that's where we're going to find our strength. It's sort of like this, I don't know, it's just like just when you think she has sort of reached this place, formation comes on and kind of changes it. Beyonce is here for us, and she knows that we are all crying in a heap. Yeah, and she's like, night. okay, formation, get get it together. Yeah, here's <laughs> me to dance to. Lean forward, do the drag queen cry so your mascara doesn't run, get your ass in gear, get the money. Yeah, yeah, that's formation. It reminded me, honestly, I think the New Orleans reference is strong in that moment because it reminded me of like New Orleans funeral. It's the uplifting, like marching down the street dance song, jubilant. It's sort of like a religious ecstasy. Let's get into some specifics. I mean, what were the moments, the images, the sounds on Lemonade that really grabbed you the most? Jack White and the and the Led Zeppelin moment. That was great. (laughs) I'm one of my one of one of my thrilling to watch live. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of it was kind of funny to me to hear all of a sudden to hear like this Jack to hear Jack White and then hear this like Led Zeppelin sample coming from Beyonce because it sort of reminded me that the last couple years I've been always sort of thinking that since Yeezus there have been like black rock albums from like not rock stars Yeezus being an example ASAP Rocky's last album sort of being a weird psych rock album and this one in a lo- in a way kind of fits in that sort of theme same with Anti has that kind of vibe where you're where there's a black artist who's like trying to make 
an album statement in the form of a sort of a, a late 60s or early 70s rock artist. And so hearing that explicit Led Zeppelin sample was like, oh yeah, Beyonce is like in a similar kind of mindset. When I heard that, I zoned out for a second and I'm like, that guitar tone, what is that? Because I'm not a big Led Zeppelin fan. And it, t I listened to it for a second and then I'm like, oh, that's Britney from Alabama Shakes. Because that's her <laughs> guitar tone too. And I was mm -hmm. actually kind of disappointed when I found out that it wasn't Britney playing that lead. Because it sounds, that's her guitar tone to a T. That would be an amazing, hopefully live that yeah. could happen. Yeah. Be so Beyonce, if you're listening, I hope you are. Our birthdays are a day apart. <laughs> Here's an idea. Yeah, that'd be much better than seeing Jack White on stage. Mm -hmm. There definitely are rock songs on this, but she's experimenting all over with genre. I mean, right before that is Hold Up, which is kind of like a reggae sort of feel. And then later, the Daddy Lessons, which goes into country, we talked about that a little earlier. She's like really um, experimenting. And it's with Beyonce, it's kind of hard to recognize it ex as experimentation because she does everything so well so immediately and seamlessly too. Like everything feels of a piece as opposed to feeling like, like as Hazel said earlier, like you're in different islands. But this is such like a, a frisky album, you know what I mean? She's playing with so many different kinds of music and so many different influences. Like the liner notes on this album are stunning. You know, you can mm -hmm. have a song where, yeah, where Led Zeppelin and Father John Misty are, are like credited on a Beyonce album. That's so weird. That's mm -hmm. so weird and that's so her in a way too, where she's been doing this for years and people call it plagiarism, but she's just like a very diverse artist with seemingly infinite reserves of musicality and interests. Rock musicians are often allowed to experiment, to try different things. That's why a band like Tame Impala can make their like awful R&B kind of rocky songs. And people are like, oh, that's cool. These white guys are making really boring music, but it's kind of fun. They're doing something different. Also, with a lot of rock albums, like, oh, we're going to try blues. We're going to have gospel. We'll have psych. They'll have early, like pre-rock and roll, rock and roll. Late, like rock music, can encompass so many different things. So that's why when I hear like those explicit things, I think, oh, rock and roll, Jack White, of course there's gonna be some of this more bluesy, a little more country, or a little bit things that slightly start touching towards gospel. It's like, those are all within the exact same tradition. If we go back 60, 70 years, these are all kind of the same genres we're working within. So again, when I see like in the visual album for Lemonade, we go back to Southern Roots. It's like, oh, we're going back to the places where all of these genres started and where all these different ideas were just stuff that played in black churches. Yeah, black women basically started rock and roll. Yeah. So it's about time that Beyonce comes out and says, this is mine now. Let's talk about the album's use of um, sort of source texts, other artists' words and images and thoughts. I mean, one of the biggest examples is that Malcolm X speech that comes up in the middle of an album. What do you guys think it says to you know sample that in the middle of an album by one of the biggest pop stars in the world? I mean, I think this is Beyonce's album for black women. You know, like the whole album is such a statement to like a regeneration, a, like a, sen a sense of community. There are so many images of black women. There's that sense of, of community and regeneration and, and rebirth um, on this album that feels really beautiful, but also very specific to black women. I mean, she's a lot of the artists she's referencing, I mean, it's not just Malcolm X, it's Warson Shire, it's uh, J Julie Dash and Daughters of the Dust and the visuals, and there are so many women artists that have influenced this album, black women artists, that it feels like a statement towards black women's power, towards 
the struggles that black women go through towards the, the ability for black women to transcend those struggles. And it's beautiful. It's like a, it's a, it's a statement of love towards herself, her family, her community, the women that have helped her in her life, her sister, her daughter. And it's, it's an expansive statement of the humanity of black women. Yeah, I also think with Beyonce, the visual album, like even with a song like Flawless mm-hmm. and um, her performance where she had feminist backlit behind her, like people were still questioning Beyonce's validity as a feminist figure. And I feel like with including the Malcolm X speech, she's kind of saying like, I'm not going to stop doing this. This is not a fad for me. This is not a trend. This is like an integral part of my work. And it's going these messages are going to keep getting stronger and stronger. This has also been a part of her work, too. Oh, That's yeah. what's really frustrating about all of the kind of naysaying and, I don't know, the, the doubts and the sort of like, oh, are we sure this is what she thinks? Is this something that Jay-Z is parroting to her? <sighs> and it's like, um, I don't know. Like, did you not pay attention to Destiny's Child? I know she was 19. Sorry if she wasn't as completely articulate as she is now after, what, 20, almost 20, no. Almost 20. Almost, almost 20, 20 years in this industry, you know? Like, she has learned how to say what she wants to say. I think we can trust Beyonce to know yeah. what she wants to say by She's now. a feminist, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, if you go to Beyonce's Twitter account, which had not tweeted for nearly three Two years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Her last tweet was from 2013, and, one of, and she only has nine tweets, but one of them specifically was about, tra- was about Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. So just in case, and that was pre-Beyonce self-titled album just in case we wanted to remember that. Does anyone hear a single? I hate to raise that sort of dreaded question, but um, do you think there are songs in this album that will get played in clubs on the radio? Does it not matter? Is that beside the point? Um, I would say 100% it does not matter because Beyonce, it's similar to Kanye West, who is similar to essentially maybe two or three. Taylor Swift would be another artist. There are certain artists that where singles They'll happen if they need to happen, but if they don't happen, it does not really. It won't affect their careers. It won't affect sales of their of her upcoming tour. There, if you're a Beyonce fan and you watch Lemonade, you will pay the money to see the, <laughs> to see the Formation tour. That is no question. But to me, it kind of recontextualized Formation as that as being a song that should be a massive single. It sounds so great, and finally able to sort of like listen as I've listened to the MP3. I was like, oh yeah, this is a song that. Is this one of the better not rap songs I've heard in a very, very long time? Yeah, I also think that Sorry needs to be the song of the summer. I know we're (laughs) a little months away from the summer, but I want to hear that song blasting out of every car, club, bar, like in the hot weather. I could see All Night being a Halo-esque single. Yeah. Mm. But I hope that doesn't happen because then I'll just cry in public spaces. (laughs) I will sob hysterically. Yeah, like I'll lose it. I um it's strange I I I keep returning to this idea of Beyonce this being like a, a Beyonce Bjork kind of like crossover moment this this is like Beyonce the Bjorking of Beyonce in a way and it reminds me of a few albums ago when Bjork had uh, Timbaland produce um, Innocence and all of a sudden the second track on an album that was really sweeping and really cinematic was a club banger. I think if we're going to draw parallels between artists like Beyonce and artists like Bjork, both both women who are at the forefront of the production and direction and all the stuff of their work, both women who are questioned for just that thing, to bring up Hopper's interview with Bjork about her experience as a female producer, it doesn't really matter, like you said, if there's a single or not, because what we're seeing here is them giving us what they want to give us. 
that's not common. You should be paying attention when you see stuff like that. Well, Beyonce know? also, it should be said, is an album artist at this point. And she's somebody who kind of rarely in the market of new music is pushing the idea of like a cohesive statement from beginning to end being the way that she wants her work to be received. I mean, releasing this to HBO as opposed to releasing it first on title is one way of saying, no, you have to consume it at once. Obviously, you can jump around, you can do what you want to do, but the way that I'm presenting this to you is as a television consistent beginning to end moment. And yeah, so I think that the question of singles is almost in opposition to the way that she's sort of presented her work. The single happens, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need singles, which is, as an artist, a kind of rarefied space to be in 2016 is to say you don't need a single to define success. Also very Prince-y of her, you know. It's hard not to think of Prince this so soon after Prince's death. Uh, this album in so many ways, and this being one of them, the, its commitment to being a cohesive statement feels so indebted to him and his artistry and to his ideas of what it, what it means to be an artist and what it means to deliver an artistic statement. I um, have so enjoyed watching Beyonce not just hold doors open for other artists, but like physically remove the doors from the hinges. Mm -hmm. And because of this conversation, because of this idea of like, is there a single? Is it the video? What platforms is it streaming on? Was it a deliberate mislead? This, that, and the other thing. I wonder in the great like future view of Beyonce's legacy, w how Lemonade will liberate other artists. To, be, for, to see the biggest pop star in the world do something that maybe doesn't have a single, that maybe exists as a film first, that, that exists in this form that is uncanny and so, so different, um, that m most other artists, like no one, who else could have pulled this off? This is a legacy event, and this is going to take off doors for a lot of people. I just can't wait to see who starts pulling on this loose thread and what happens next. I'm hoping it's some of the women that are actually featured in the visual. Yeah. or Kevin Wallace or or Amanda Stenberg like a lot of the people who are featured heavily in this in the visual like it's obvious she's showing herself saying oh look uh, cross disciplinary art is yeah. is valid on some of the most major platforms in the world again and look who I've picked to come with me yeah exactly I mean she's such a I know we've talked a lot about her her musicianship but her abilities as a curator of her own visual, ex like the visual experience of her work is so astonishing. I just think she's one of the most impressive visual artists in, I don't know, American pop culture right now, especially when you look at like the film landscape of the current moment, like the number one movie of the year is what, I don't even know. You know, it's like not even worth paying attention to, but, and yet like Beyonce's number one in I think 41 countries right now, she's such a relevant artist but working on such a high level in so many different mediums all at once it's stunning and she's made an indie art film that yeah. is the antithesis of this mumblecore trash that's been going on for like a decade now <laughs> this is anti-minimalism she's in a gold 87 yard long <laughs> roberto cavalli gown that looks like a ruffled pina colada umbrella <laughs> version of what Rihanna wore to the Met Ball last oh year. And she's spending so much money on cars to smash. <laughs> like, like, the wardrobe alone, the, 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 the hair, the makeup, the wardrobe, the lighting, the special effects, like, it's anti-small thinking. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a macro piece 
made to be viewed on small screens. That's that's a great point. And also in terms of like artists catching up to Lemonade, I'm gonna say I feel artists are still just catching up to Beyonce self-titled. So yeah, yeah. we might not, we could be. I mean, I'm still catching up with self-titled. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still not over it. Yeah, anybody yeah. try dropping a surprise album now, people will be like, oh, that's nice, dear. Yeah. <laughs> that little thing. Yeah, it's called pulling a Beyonce Precisely. now. Yeah, yeah, maybe in 2021 we'll be caught up to that and then in maybe 10 years <laughs> we'll be, okay, we can now take in Lemonade for all it's When worth. Beyonce opens her theme park. On the moon. That was MTV News' Simon Vosick levinson Hazel Sills, David Turner, Teo Bugby, and Meredith Graves in our New York studios. Head to mtv.com news for more from them and the rest of the MTV News crew on Lemonade. Thanks for listening.